A warm welcome to new listeners and old friends. This is the latest episode of Talking Golf. There is a lot of parameters that we measure. The accuracy when you hit a ball outdoors, where the ball landed and where Trackman tells you it landed, that will be less than one foot away at 100 yards distance. And at 200 yards distance, it will be within two foot. So it's sort of proportional uh, like that. So, Frederick, many thanks indeed for taking the time to come on the show uh, this afternoon. I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with with Trackman, certainly as a brand, certainly as the the orange boxes you tend to see in a lot of uh, driving ranges at tour events these days. For those that aren't so well versed, can you start by just explaining a little bit about what Trackman is and what it does? Yes, uh, I can. First of all, thank you, Hugh, for having me on, on this. Uh, I'm very proud of having this opportunity. But as you correctly said, the, the trackman is, if you're watching any uh, broadcast uh, of the golf tournaments on the range, you'll see many of the tour players actually having this uh, orange box behind them. And that is the trackman. And it is uh, a small unit, uh, size of a laptop, battery operated, which uh, includes a radar combined with a camera that is capable of tracking the golf ball through its entire flight. And in addition to that, it's actually capable of tracking the club head trajectory. So it means that it will measure things like club speed, uh, club path, attack angle, and things like this. All this being controlled directly through either your your phone or laptop uh, wirelessly. And it can be used both indoors and outdoors. Uh, it's, uh, it can be used for full swing. It can measure on pitch shots, chip shots. And we recently actually added putting to this as well. So, so that's in, in, in short what, what TrackMan is uh, as such. I would say this is what we are in golf. We also do other sports, but uh, I think we are restricted to talk golf today. <laughs> uh, we, yes, I think, uh, I think our listeners would probably prefer that. So your background isn't, didn't start in golf, though, did it? You, you, you kind of ended up doing this. What, what's the journey that you've, that you've been through where you've, you've become this guy that uh, has suddenly made science data, both in coaching and club fitting, much more acceptable? It's not just acceptable now. It's something that's expected in a lot of circles. How have you ended up here? What's, what's the journey been? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, you could say my, my educational background is uh, I have a master's degree in signal processing and, and radar. So it's sort of it's, it's the core technology we are now using in uh, TrackMan. I am an avid sportsman, I, especially in my youth, I would say. I played a lot of golf and uh, reasonably well, not like pro level, but re- reasonably well. <laughs> still, a, still a pretty decent player. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I'm a, even though my, that my handicap is because I don't play that much, is is uh, just turned double digit. Uh, I mean, I can hit some pretty uh, good shots uh, and, and and rounds of golf. So, uh, lo- love to spend some more time on the golf course. But uh, I mean, it seems like the more you work with golf, the less you play in some way. <laughs> I think, so, unless you're a player, that's certainly the case. Yeah. So, uh, so that was was my background. But then, yeah, I, I actually worked. Out of after university, I started uh, working for uh, for a company that made radars for tracking, uh, made, made radars, and we were tracking bullets and missiles. I ended up actually uh, becoming head of R and D for that company. So so that was you know uh, really tracking big missiles from launched from submarines, 
going out of the atmosphere and, and, and you know and entering the atmosphere again and so on. So really advanced things, which is now 15 years ago actually. I was uh, approached with uh, my, my my now co-founders and partners in, in, in TrackMan, and uh, they pitched the idea of, of couldn't we use this great radar technology to also track a golf ball? And TrackMan started as a as a golf product rather than in any other sports, didn't it? It's it's yes, yes, yes. You can say the, the way this it, it started was actually that that uh, I was head of R and D of this military uh, privately owned company. But then um, my now partners basically suggested us some sort of joint venture. Of they didn't understand technology, but they had a, this business idea of if you could track a golf ball and, in particular, determine where it landed uh, on a driving range, you could actually increase the value of visiting a driving range, both for practice and for fun. So that was sort of the motivation for doing this. And, you know, long story short was that uh, th- this uh, joint venture didn't fly, but I actually, 10 years prior, I had had my own ideas around tracking a golf ball. I played golf and I was working with these Raiders. So I knew this was sort of possible, but, but at the time it was cost uh, prohibited to entertain that idea. But then the years went by and... So I, I, I definitely wanted to, to, uh, to, to give this a shot. So I quit my position, my safe position there. And uh, we started uh, founding TrackMan 15 years ago and basically had to invent everything uh, from the ground. So, uh, and so, so now I'm, I'm the CTO, which is, means Chief Technology Officer uh, and co-founder, co-founder of TrackMan. And I think it's fair to say that I'm the inventor of the uh, TrackMan technology even though that we, we now have in our R&D people in, in the company, have, we have 95 R&D people uh, wow. actually in, in the company now. Um, not only doing golf, but uh, golf is uh, by far the biggest business we have so far. So that was sort of how it, it, it came around. And uh, yeah, I've never looked back since. And, and it's been a fantastic journey so far. And I can't imagine you ever dreamt that the product would become so successful, so... I mean, it is the brand name for radar technology now in golf. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, at the time when we started this, the, the idea was really to, as I said before, was to increase the value of being on a driving range. You have these, you spend all the money creating these facilities and in some, you have this in, in multiple countries and towns, you have these dedicated driving range where, not connected necessarily with a golf course, but where you have multiple floors and you're just hitting balls out in the blue. So, so how could you, with the technology involvement, how could you increase the value of, of being at such a facility? So you can say in the, in, in the beginning, we were very focused on, on just determining where the ball landed. But then you, you can say that the path to that, our path to that was to track the ball all the way. And then... <laughs> When we had that, we looked around and we couldn't see that anybody could do that. Nobody else was doing this in, in the world. And we, we actually ended up saying, okay, we need to find out uh, those who know this the best that really need to know the ball trajectory uh, of a hit golf ball. That must be the equipment manufacturers because they are, they are all the time uh, putting out these new great products they want us to buy. Uh, and that must perform better than the previous year's model. So they must, must for sure have this need for accurate measurement of the ball trajectory. 
So actually, Klaus, uh, our CEO, uh, and I, we went on a trip, the, the very first, you could say, sales trip we ever did, uh, once we just had the, the, the product, uh, first prototype ready. Uh, we went to the U.S., and uh, we made appointments with, uh, with five of the EQMs. Uh, this was Misuno, Nike, uh, Ping, Callaway, and TaylorMade. And we basically, you know, started on the East Coast, Atlanta, that was Mitsuno. We went to Nike, that was in Dallas, Fort Worth, and then Ping in, in, uh, in uh, Arizona, uh, uh, Phoenix, and then ended up in Carlsbad with Callaway and, and Taylor made. And it was really interesting uh, journey. I mean, at the end of the day, we, they, they, all the companies bought based on that very first demo. And it was uh, a, a, a super exciting trip, you know, at Nike. Uh, when we did the, the demo, they, they were expecting us to do like a big PowerPoint presentation and so on. And we said, yes, we got a PowerPoint, but that's not what we want to show you. Let's go to the range. Because the, the, we knew from the very beginning, in order for this technology really to, to uh, be used, not just by R&D companies, uh, R&D departments in, in, uh, at equipment factors, but to have a broader appeal, we needed to make the data uh, very actionable and and very easy to use. So we the the way the TrackMan works is you put it on the ground, it will automatically level itself. It has a built-in camera where you pick out your your target. And and some of these things are just you know for us we were golfers ourselves. We 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 understood the conditions you have out there. So it needed to be operated by non-technical people. Um, and when we showed this to these companies, they were just like you know. They can immediately see that this is not only for R&D guys. This is for our marketing guys. We can use this in so many things we are doing. So that was, uh, that was so great to, to, to get that feedback. And again, we got confirmed through this first, uh, you could say, sales trip. There was nothing like a TrackMan out there. No. So, um, <laughs> and at the time, this was, this was a fairly substantial piece of equipment wasn't it the size of a small house this was uh, it was uh, not that it was so big of course compared to what we have today is <laughs> is it, but it was uh, a couple of two shoe boxes but uh, it was quite heavy <laughs> i must admit yeah and uh, we had uh, the, the the laptop at the time is not uh, what you have today so basically i <laughs> i had built in a pelican case and so on so it's a, it was a you know sort of fragile but but uh, and I, you can say the, the, the cost of the system, I mean, these five companies I mentioned, and, and by the way, all the other Q, EQMs followed immediately afterwards. I mean, this was, this yeah. was an investment on their side of, a, of a, uh, 100,000 uh, US dollars. So it was a quite, quite wow. significant. Uh, and, and, but again, again that, that just proved to us also we actually got something quite unique here. So that was sort of where we, we so where we started was these were the EQMs that we basically we got the blue stamp of technology. They were the most critical ones we could find. They would question every data point that we would get out because there was a, at the time we are, we are talking here, you know, end of two thousand four, beginning of two thousand five. There was there were there was devices out there that was trying to tell you how far you hit the ball, but they didn't measure it. They just they might just measure a little bit of an initial speed, not knowing uh, what direction the ball is going, but uh, and then they calculated what distance the ball would travel, and that simply didn't uh, you know compute in our uh, brains uh, that you would use that for any R and D based on some model because you're trying to with new equipment 
to basically explore the corners of what, what physics can do. So obviously you had to measure this uh, directly. Yeah, there was a big onus on, on you knowing that the information you were feeding out was accurate. Both that and, and, and actually there was actually measured data and there was not just a, a, a calculation based on some models. For the benefits of the listeners, when you talk about EQM, you're talking about equipment manufacturers. That's yeah, right, isn't it? thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay. That is the equipment <laughs> manufacturers. I've spent 30 seconds trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay. Sorry, sorry for that. So you obviously had quite a clear vision of what you thought TrackMan would be used for when you were uh, going through the, these early days, these early processes. Did you ever imagine that you'd end up with it basically being the go-to tool for pretty much every player in the world? And every coach, for that matter. I, I would say that we, we probably fairly quickly saw the opportunity there because when we got out there and saw what was on the market, and another thing we learned was the the beliefs and you know the way when I was taught golf in my youth. Uh, just an example, I was told that the the way the the direction the ball is starting is the way my path is moving. So basically, the the the, the direction of my club head through impact and. I mean, you know that, I know that, this is completely wrong. It's actually very, almost 180 degrees. It's where the face is pointing where the ball will start. Correct. And that means that at, at just realizing this, such, such a fundamental thing, and uh, I mean, at the time, it, it, it was very controversial to say uh, what, what we just said. Uh, and... That just tells you that there is a huge when you, when so much wrong information is being used in in the, to teach. What a big opportunity wouldn't there be uh, in to provide this to um, uh, a broader audience? Yes, one hundred percent. So for sure, for for sure, this. I mean, once we had we had um, conquered the equipment manufacturers, the next thing in in line was both club fitters that are fitting equipment to you that are relying on, you know, small differences. Why is this driver better for you? Why is this shaft better for you? And so on. They also need to have very um, uh, accurate and, and actionable uh, data. And of course, uh, teachers were the, sort of the next uh, big segment. And which is by now, uh, teachers is by far the, the our biggest customer group on its own. Um, it, by the way, it was not all, all teachers. It was, I would say, it was, it was, it, it was a sp- special type of teachers that were sort of looking for, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them uh, young teachers, but definitely always questioning and trying to push the barrier of knowledge. Uh, not, not necessarily the most recognizable names in, in the uh, teaching industry. That took a while. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting you mention that because I'm, literally as you were as you were uh, talking there, I made the note that for me the the single biggest thing that TrackMan has offered my coaching and I think probably the industry in general is a much better understanding of what I call the conversation between club ball and ground, and there's no question that golf coaches are notoriously. Uh, stubborn bunch and i think there's there's definitely it's we've, we've almost split into two camps now we've, we've got the the guys that are that like to base what they're coaching on science and data and you still have what i think people would rather dismissively call them old school teachers i don't think the i think the old what would 
be old school teachers are generally great, great coaches. And Trapman isn't a substitute for great coaching. I've I've taught, and nor is any other radar for that matter. That great coaching is still the ability to interact with the human being. It's not the ability to gather data. It's not the ability the ability to gather information. Great coaching is getting that getting good information and then knowing exactly what to do with it for that one human being in front of you. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, that's where the that's the combination of that art and science-based coaching to me is truly great coaching. And there's an awful lot of guys out there who are very good at one and the other, but not many that are good at the two combined, if that makes sense. No, but I, 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 I fully agree with you. Fully agree with you on that. And certainly from my perspective, I was, I, I thought I had a pretty decent grasp on what happened at impact and what impact looked like and cause and effect at impact. Every single thing I believe was challenged the minute I started using TrackMan on a regular basis. And it's, it's fundamentally made me a better coach because now being able to relate what I see and hear in the impact with the data that is thrown up and with what I see in the air makes me much better at making educated judgment calls. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things you actually are touching upon there was in, in, in some way, I will almost say for, for as a company, TrackMan, we were blessed by there was these, I would say, misunderstandings and there was some myths that... Uh, would we needed to bust uh, and because that that we had the data that proved that this was not right uh, this was uh, the, you know as you said the the interaction between the club and the ball uh, were were different than uh, one thought at the time but that also meant that we had actually a huge education ed, uh, challenge in front of us because we needed to get this message. We couldn't just say, you know, here's the product that will tell you all the things that you so far believe is wrong. We, we, we'd ha- we had to, uh, you know, educate uh, teachers, fitters, and so on. Uh, why, that, the, why is there this interaction between the, uh, the, the club and the ball, which is uh, so essential? And, that's, and for that, we actually created uh, a TrackMan University, and we... we uh, that, that's uh, in the beginning. That was something very much uh, dedicated towards teachers. Uh, we have a certification program and so on. Uh, we have actually we actually made the all the. I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Hugh, but we actually made the uh, information now free for everybody to access. And we actually have an app you can download in in the app store and and you know, trying to also because as I said. <laughs> Earlier, when I was taught golf, uh, the, the cause and effect that uh, I had in my head when I was playing on a golf course and I saw a ball starting too much to the right, what I would do to compensate for that, I now know was wrong. But, so, but by, by using the information we have here in, in, under the track, in the TrackMan University, you can actually, uh, as an uh, average golfer, you can actually learn these things. And I sincerely believe this will improve your golf. And there's no question for me that, as I said, if, if it's had such a fundamental impact on the coaching business as a whole, and, and certainly from my experience, it's been a big part of my development as a coach. Ultimately, if as a coach or as a player, 
you are subscribing to concepts or theories that are incorrect, when you get them right, the ball still doesn't do what you want it to do. And establishing sound concepts and sound beliefs in the coaching community is absolutely huge, but also it's absolutely huge, particularly with younger players, that they are building their golf swing on sound concepts, sound principles, sound beliefs. And Trapman has certainly certainly helped a lot of the younger guys that I work with um, do that. So who needs a Trackman? We've, we've talked about the technology. We've talked about what it does for you. Uh, clearly, as a coach, I'm saying I would encourage people to use some kind of radar technology. Uh, as a player, absolutely. As an equipment manufacturer, absolutely. In ter- is there anyone else that would benefit from using this what other uses are there for, for Trapman and the technology and the education that goes with it? Well, I, I first of all, I'll say you can use Trackman in many, many different ways. Uh, and, it, it's, it's all, it, and it goes from the, the, at one end, you do R&D. If you are equipment manufacturers, you want to create this great new driver uh, and, and optimize that. You need accurate data to back up, making sure that the product you're putting out on the market is the best. As a teacher... I see TrackMan being your sort of, it's almost like uh, uh, whether it's a, you compare it to an MRI scanner for a doctor or what, it's there, uh, uh, all the data, you will watch with your eyes, you interact with, 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 with the player, and you always have the data to confirm what you're seeing with, with your eyes and uh, maybe also see the, uh, see the things you do not see with your eyes because you cannot see whether that ball was hit a little bit uh, on the heel or on the toe, or was the path a little bit outside in, or what was the attack angle, and so on. You might have an idea, but here you have a number, which makes it actionable. So for sure, those are the usage. If you talk about tour players and elite players, the the biggest use they have it, and the reason why you see the orange box behind many of the tour players today uh, is because, uh, I mean, just knowing how far they hit the ball is absolutely crucial for them. And, I mean, a prime example here is, I mean, Dustin Johnson, and he actually said this public, publicly, he was a great player and so on, but he, would, he you know, was not world number one. Once he, he got a track man and started to dial in his wedge distance, that's when he became uh, the world's number one because he needs to feel... Uh, in his hands, what is 80 yards, what is 85 yards, what's, uh, how do I, if I hit a little bit into the wind, what's the influence of this? And uh, it's, it's some, at least for elite players, if you are at that level, you need to really to be able to, to, uh, to know this feeling within one or two yards uh, on your approach shots. And even things like temperature and, uh, and uh, altitude and, and, of course, wind, we know that plays uh, an influence. But, but even things like temperature, that actually plays a role. So uh, you might, if you have an early start, you will actually not hit the ball as far in the, uh, as when it heats up later in the day. Uh, and that, that's not just because of your body, but, but the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the air is actually, uh, density is a little bit thicker when it's colder, so that's why it goes a little bit shorter. So that's one thing, just knowing your yardage, and that's, by the way, something that, that I mean, the reason that the, the, the elite players do it every week, because you said, you, you could think, if they know how far they hit their seven iron, why isn't it that all the time? But it actually changes a little bit uh, 
and, and they are looking at a tolerance level like uh, you know normal golfers don't. But for normal golfers, just knowing how far you hit your 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 every single club in your bag is absolutely crucial. And nowadays, we all walk around with these lasers uh, so we can measure the distance to, to the hole and we can uh, fairly well judge win and so on. And so what, what is the missing piece here is to know how far you hit, hit your shots. And, 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 and that I just for me, when I play, even though I don't play that often, but that I would say is the, 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 the key most important thing for me is to know. If I don't have any doubt when I hit a, sh- uh, a facing a shot, how do I need to hit this yardage? And I actually, I, I can even tell when I hit that shot, I know this has the right yardage. It's interesting because for me, the most important thing that a player can use it from uh, for is understanding the effect of the climatic conditions, elevation, temperature, wind, humidity, etc. And I still haven't met a player yet that initially has a real grasp on how to adapt for certain wind conditions, certain changes of elevation, certain altitudes. And again, through through the stuff I do with my players in coaching, they've been able to become much sharper at making those adjustments. And then obviously that takes that, that goes to the golf course and becomes a performance enhancement. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think also it, it, uh, this way that you are confident in, okay, it's this yard, I hit it this way because I know I've practiced this uh, and I know my, my distance on, on track, man. I think that also plays a, a big role uh, that you have confidence uh, in. So one of, one of the, the great challenges of golf is the almost infinite number of variables that the player and a professional level, the caddy, has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. How close can we get to not eliminating those variables, but learning how to manage them better. I think we we are definitely on the on the on the path of you could say narrowing this down. I would still say that that even though that we we uh, we now think we we believe cause and effect uh, quite well, it's 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 pretty complicated what what happens when a golf club uh, impacts uh, a golf ball. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there will be some, maybe not as significant learnings, but there, I'm sure there will be a few things that, that uh, whether that is face rotation through impact, what is the impact of that, or if you make uh, contact with the ground while you're impacting the ball, uh, what is the influence of that? There are some things there that, that, that I think that, that we, can, uh, we can still improve on. But um, I think we, we are, especially those that use TrackMan uh, at, at this very, very, you say, detailed level, are, are getting, you know, fairly close to, to that. It's, it's more now their ability to uh, control the, the uh, uh, yeah, execute it on course under stressful conditions uh, that is, it becomes the challenge. Okay, so where, in terms of the parameters that TrackMan measures and calculates, what areas do do you need to get better at? Where are the where are the key gains? Do you think in in those fields? I think uh, as uh, like measurement tolerances on TrackMan, where you think we can improve? Uh, is that what you're thinking? Of, and in, and in terms of, for for instance, being able to explore the effect of rifle spin on the flight of the ball to be able to explore as you talk about the effect of face rotation through impact um are there any other areas where you think there are 
gains to be had, or is it now a case of becoming much just just using that information, the existing information, better? I, I think that that it, it is on on the on the long game, uh, we are pretty far down that path here. On the short game, I still feel that there is uh, learning to be done, uh, and and uh, I'm. I think that we will. Uh, there, there might be not big puzzles, but still some puzzles uh, missing still in order to fully understand everything uh, that, that 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 goes on. So, but but it's it's sort of it's it's also a, I see it as a, a, a journey. I mean, we we uh, we have never at least my uh, point standpoint is that. You know, we will always, we should always be uh, willing to learn more and never say that now we know everything. Uh, because uh, as soon as you have a, a shot that doesn't, you know, fit in your models, then sort of, why did that happen? Uh, and, and, and of course, the margins uh, that, that we, are, we are looking at this with is, is becomes more narrow and narrow and narrow. And we're already now talking about. You know what we we believe every ball is the same, but what is if the center of mass is not exactly in the center of the ball? And uh, you see, uh, I mean, this is just for putting, but you see players line up uh, their 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 ball and trying to you know hit the the ball on the seam. What if you do in when you do uh, chip shots and so on? Uh, would you Would you have a similar effect? Question mark. Um, Again, so so that there are some uh, details there that I think that that uh, uh, yeah, if there will always be be room for improving, uh, so so to speak, and getting deeper. But but and that's sort of one path, and we will make sure always to stay on the cutting edge of that. But I think there's also a, 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 a another part where which we will focus a lot on. Uh, is to also, I mean, we really want to make TrackMan accessible for everybody. You shouldn't just be, you shouldn't be a teacher uh, that teaches tour pros uh, in order to have any value of, of using TrackMan. And already today, I mean, we have, I don't know if you know that actually, but, but we, 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 we acquired a, a, a graphical uh, a, a company. So now we have a, a full end-to-end uh, simulator also which we are selling for, for, for people for home use and where they also can, t- can take their TrackMan on the range. And we, have, uh, we are making these uh, different games and you can play virtual golf both uh, on, a, on an outdoor range and, of course, in a simulator and so on. And, and you know, trying to make the, the, uh, the use of TrackMan uh, at the same time as being educating but also fun. Uh, because that's an- another thing I see with, with technology uh, in, in golf. I actually, I actually think it's more enjoyable hitting shots when I have a TrackMan on than if, in a, if I didn't. Because having this feedback, even though I'm not going to be the next uh, Roy McIlroy or Tiger Woods in the world, I still want to improve at the level where I am and, and do that a little bit better. That's a lot of fun to improve from whatever level you are. Yeah. And it's cer- certainly my experience. One of one of my mantras from a coaching perspective is that practice without feedback isn't practice. You'll get better by accident on that basis. And there needs to be some means of getting accurate 
objective feedback that, as you touched on earlier, is actionable. That's certainly why I encourage so many of my players to use TrackMan in their practice sessions. But as you say, it also, I use the testing an awful lot. I do the combined test myself. I find that just a much more stimulating way of, uh, of, of hitting balls. It suddenly, it provides a greater level of focus for me. It's something that I think, some, and again, with the, with the players I deal with, it, it helps them stay a little bit more focused. It dials into their competitive uh, side a little bit more. And ultimately, if every shot you hit, you've got feedback in terms of where it went and how far it went, that cannot help but make you better at what you do. I totally agree. Totally agree. There are a number of people out there who would question the accuracy of not just TrackMan, but Doppler radar in general, Uh, particularly when you're talking about things such as club path, face angle, angle of attack. How accurate is TrackMan in the components that it measures? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there is a lot of parameters that we measure. I mean, we uh, it, it, it goes from the full uh, ball trajectory, how far you hit it, uh, and so on. And as you said, to, to details about how do you did you deliver uh, the, the club to the ball. Uh, but so I, I I I can't name them all from the top of my head. But just to give you some indication, I mean, first of all, on on the the accuracy when you hit a ball outdoors, uh, where the ball landed and where Trackman tells you it landed, that will be uh, less than one foot away at 100 yards distance. And at 200 uh, yards distance, it will be within uh, two foot. So it's sort of proportional uh, like that. So, and then if you're looking at uh, data like the, the, the club delivery, uh, we are looking at for example, club speed is within uh, one mile per hour. Uh, it might be actually 0.9 mile per hour, but but uh, again, we this is this is an area, especially on the club numbers, where we are continuously uh, trying to improve whatever we are doing uh, here, making sure both the pick, I mean, the number of, of what we call pickup rates, the times that this get measured is you know as close to 100 percent as we can get, and also to improve the, the accuracy of it, but. Um, very importantly, we also want to maintain the ease of use. So if you have to mark up your club with stickers and all kinds of things, that takes away the whole thing of, of, uh, of just having it there all the time. Because if you have to do that or you have a very restricted area you can hit balls from if you're out on, on the turf, that, that means you, you will not use it to the same extent. So that sort of is a not a attractive uh, area, uh, solution for us. If if we look at the um, the uh, you asked about the the uh, things like club path and and uh, attack angles, uh, they are I think they are is it point seven degrees we are within on attack angle and points uh, uh, yes similar for club path, uh, and that covers actually where you when you move around uh, hitting from different locations in front of a track man switching different club types uh, and so on. If you're, if you're standing and hitting shots with the same club um, uh, from the same position, so during a session, the, the so-called relative accuracy is even higher than that. And, and lately, uh, actually just uh, released here a couple of days ago, uh, we also have uh, impact locations, so meaning where you actually impacted the ball uh, on, the, on the club face 
and here we are talking a, a millimeter accuracy in the area, I would say, of, of something like uh, three to four millimeters. That's what our testing has, has shown. So that's sort of that's, that's sort of where we are now. Again, especially on these the club data parameters, those are ones where we, we do see uh, ways how we can improve that uh, further. So that is a, a focus area also from us. Okay, because I think one of the I think it's worth explaining a little bit more about how radar works to be able to measure, for instance, where the face is pointing at impact. And also this new parameter that you've introduced where the player has struck the face. Because this is the argument I hear from, on a fairly regular basis, from players, coaches alike is, well, how, if the radar is positioned behind the line of play, how on earth can it tell you where the club face is pointed at the point of impact? I mean, there is, first of all, as I said in the very beginning, uh, TrackMan is not only a radar. We also have a camera in there. And what we have done recently is we, have, we are also using the camera now for the tracking part. Now, the camera is seeing the club uh, and the ball, by the way, uh, from behind. Uh, so it's not, it's not seeing, we say, the, the front of the face as, as such. But uh, with the radar and especially our newest model, the TrackMan 4, which has a dedicated we call it uh, impact radar. It, it, it uses a very high frequency and can thereby get a, uh, it actually sees the entire club head as a, we call it a, a silhouette or it's a sort of the outline of the club head. Uh, so it, it sees this three-dimensional shape going through the air. It, it cannot see the details on, on the front of the face and so on, but it can actually see this whole body uh, of club head. And we actually call it a, a, a 4D silhouette because we can measure not only uh, the, this uh, 3D shape, but we also get different speeds on, you know, the toe will always move faster than the heel and the lower part of the club will move faster than the, the upper part of the club. So, so that's why we call it this 4, 4D uh, silhouette tracking. So uh, th that's how we are getting this very accurately tracking of the club head. Now, uh, the face angle, as you said, is, uh, a, that is actually a parameter that we are calculating. So, uh, and the way we are calculating this is we're very accurately measuring how the club head is moving space. So we know three-dimensionally at impact what is the direction and speed of the club head. We very accurately measure the, uh, the ball's uh, initial direction. Uh, and, uh, you know, launch angle, launch direction, and uh, uh, ball speed. And we also measure the spin of the ball. And if you then, uh, uh, we have then uh, developed our own uh, collision model that will then tell us, well, if the club is moving in that way and the ball is moving in that way, uh, that direction with this spin, that means that the face must be pointing in this direction. And we have proven this uh, on, uh, you know, all sorts of on-off center hits and moving around with the center of gravity, and that doesn't matter for this at all, uh, that this, this is actually a super accurate measurement. And, and there's been independent verifications uh, that this is more accurate that, than other systems, optically-based systems, putting markers on the club face and so on. We have a tolerance uh, on that in the order of, on face angle, on, of uh, uh, 3.4 degrees. So that's super, yeah. So that, that, that it, in, in, in a way, it's, it's, um, 
but it, it relies on some physics uh, that uh, we know is 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 is, is happening, and, but then feeding very accurate measurement data into this. Now, as goes for the the new parameter we just introduced, like where you actually impact the ball on the club face, that is actually something where we are using the the uh, we, we we are using the camera in assisting to you can say. To, to make the, the radar, this 4D silhouette tracking, basically snap onto what we can see from the camera. Because a, cam, a camera can actually, if, if you get a clear shot on the club or the ball, you can actually have multiple pixels across the ball or the club. And that means you can with millimeter precision uh, position them in relation to, it, to each other. So this is how we, are the, we, we, we call this technology to up optically enhanced radar tracking. So we're using the, the optical tracking to assist the radar tracking in providing both where was the, the ball at rest before launch and then tracking accurately club head um, uh, from the back uh, to provide what, where is it located at precisely at time of impact. And then the only thing we have to do is then Basically, map this to the to how the the score lines are, uh, you know, painted on the on the, on the uh, clubhead on, on on the front. So, uh, so that's how we do that. And I think it's worth clarifying for the listeners when we're talking about impact. What is what's your definition of impact? With the data that you that you throw up on the screen for each and every shot that relate to impact, at what point are they being measured, stroke calculated? Yeah, now it's it, it, will, it will get very detailed now. <laughs> oh, we need, to, we need to make this as simple as possible. Okay, we're, okay, I'll, I'll try to do that. I mean, the the, the collision, uh, the contact time between the club and the ball is two thousandths of a second. So, so point uh, five milliseconds, the club and the ball is in contact with each other. Half of the time, if you have seen some of these slow motion uh, or high speed, uh, high frame rate videos uh, of a collision, half of the time is used to basically uh, compress the ball on the club face, and then half half of the time is actually getting back into a, a spherical shape. And we define the time of impact as being in the middle of the collision. So when the ball is maximum compressed on the face, however, we are only using for data like attack angle, club speed, path, and so on. We are using data only pre-impact. So because there is there is a huge deacceleration happening of the club head when you make contact with, with the ball. Uh, so then you can ask why didn't we use then first contact as the the, the time reference? And the reason for that is our face angle uh, is what the ball will react to directional-wise is going to be where the face is pointing in the middle of the collision to a very, very high degree. And sort of having those time-stamped in the, in the, uh, the same, same frame, that's why we use this definition here. That makes sense. And as presumably as soon as there is any kind of collision, uh, either be with ball, tee, or ground, all of the data is disrupted massively. Yeah, I mean, well, you can say as soon as you uh, make contact uh, with with the ground or, or tea or whatever, uh, that will have an, that will also have an, an, an uh, influence. Uh, I would say the tea will have 
fairly minimal influence uh, on the club head ground, much more uh, influence uh, on the club head. However, hopefully uh, by then the, the ball has already uh, left the club face. Um, you have actually, if you look at the distance-wise, uh, this, this two thousandths of a second that translates into if you are you know, you know, a Rory McIlroy with a club head speed of 120 miles per hour, that is a 20 millimeters distance. So that means by the, by, by the time the, the, the driver actually, and, and, and by, by the way, the diameter of the, of the golf ball is 42 millimeters. And that means that by the time the club head reaches the tee, that's when the ball already left the club face. I, I joke quite often with people that if you ever knew how difficult this game was, you would never contemplate taking it up. <laughs> no. You would never even contemplate trying to teach it for a living. Maybe that's the thing that fascinates us. So if, I was just about to say that. <laughs> I think that, that's, uh, that's what draws us all in. So let, let's change direction a little bit. One of the big debates that seems to be going on just now, and I think there's going to be announcements over the course of the, the, the next year with how this is dealt with, is that the ball is going too far. Now, personally, I love to see a golf ball being struck properly, and I love to see a golf ball being struck miles. I find that entertaining. I, would, I want to go to a golf tournament to see players hit at huge distances and the beauty of the sport always will be that once you've hit it 360 yards through the air you might have you might be faced with the very opposite challenge of having to play a very delicate controlled shot with loft for your next one so i'm very much in the pro distance camp but from a trackman perspective how much or how big a role do you think your technology has played in the in the increase that the guys are hitting at these days and girls I th- yeah, I think I think we 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 played a, a f- you know we have our fair share in that. Uh, but maybe I will I will answer the question uh, by starting a, a, a little bit different uh, place because when we first came out on tour and re- you know measured on all these uh, guys we watch on TV, um, all the there was sort of a, a agreed between all the equipment manufacturers and and. Uh, club fitters and so on, what you needed to do in order to maximize the distance of, of your drives was to have a launch angle of 12 degrees, and then you needed to have a 2,500 RPM of spin. That would give you the maximum distance. Were, those were the sort of magic numbers. However, when we measured uh, the guys on tour, they were all over the place. I mean, uh, there were some at uh, six degree launch angle, and 3,500 RPMs of spin, and there were some that were at 15 degrees uh, launch angle and, you know, 1,700 RPMs. So, so how, how could this be? And that actually turned into be a quite interesting path uh, for us and uh, where basically we did a lot of research and found out the clue to this is attack angle. Be- because uh, if you are capable of hitting up on the ball... Uh, that, that's what we say is a positive a- attack angle. That means that you can launch the ball with a fairly uh, high launch angle, even though you play a low lofted driver. When you have a low lofted driver, that means that you are creating less spin on the ball than you would with a, a, a more lofted club. And that's why you can achieve, achieve this high launch, low spin. And that will make the ball go further. 
So it turned out that those that had these you know, high launch, low spin numbers, they had positive attack angles. And, and remember, these guys on tour, they have, you see, you know, uh, when, you, when you go on, on, on the practice days, there's all these uh, tour vans where they have, have uh, all the equipment manufacturers at their disposal and can change to whatever driver they, they would like to play uh, this week. So, of course, they have tried all the combinations that will give them the maximum distance. So it was sort of a, a, an evidence of saying that these unique 12 degrees launch angle, 2500 RPM, that, I mean, one size did not fit, fit all. Yeah, it was a flawed concept. Exactly. So, so that made, meant that, that we, uh, and I actually made, made a presented paper about this and spoke about it, and you probably have heard me also, Hugh, about this. I've been advocating, if you want to maximize the, your distance from the club speed you're having, then you need to hit up on the ball. There's no question about it. And that was very controversial, and I was met with a lot of skepticism. But the good thing about the trackman, tracking the ball all the way, you could just prove it right there. Hit up on the ball, and you'll see it go further. So, so, that, so that was a, a, a quite interesting uh, way we came around with that. And by now, we have um, in our software, we have a, what's called a trackman optimizer, which will adjust to any club speed. So this will work for even for... for uh, uh, myself and you know my mother for that sake uh, or, 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 my, or my son which might not be able to create the club speed I'm having um, be, and, but they, this get, gives you the possibility to uh, what is important when you have a, a driver is what, what is limiting your capability of hitting the ball the further is it's dictated by the, your club speed and your angle of attack given that there is a way you a certain way you need to uh, first of all have your club built and you need to uh, impact the ball pretty much in the center not to uh, you know face open or anything like this and that will uh, the trackman optimizer will tell you how efficiently you are utilizing the club speed you have and this works for uh, tour pros as well in exactly the same fashion as it works for uh, you know any junior players or, or uh, myself for, for that sake it works by the way for any club in the bag uh, drivers being a little bit special because you have this capability of teeing up your club uh, or teeing up your ball and that means you can have these positive attack angle that is not something i would advocate for doing if you are playing it uh, off the deck uh, then uh, you probably need to take the divot after you impact the ball because um, the the assumption here of course is that all of this is absolutely true if the player can, number one, continually hit the middle of the club. So hitting up on it, but hitting it all over the club face is going to be less effective than yes. a level hit middling it. Absolutely. And also that if you do hit up on it, you are able to maintain your optimum club speed. And this is where I think this has been quite... It's interesting how... Often I hear club fitters talk about this. I must stress, not the guys on tour. And how often I hear coaches talk about it, that you have to hit up on it to hit it further. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But you have to be able to maintain your club speed and you have to middle it. In my experience, the more I try and hit up on it, the less I middle it. So subsequently, I, I might have the potential to hit it further, but actually I'm a much worse driver because I hit it all over the club face and then subsequently all over the golf course. And interesting, when my club head speed drops... Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, and and this is also this this goes also to the you say the length of drivers uh, that that uh, you see when you see the long drivers they 
have these 47, 48 inch uh, long shafts. I mean, yes, they can hit it a, a mile, but it, they also do have quite a few shots that doesn't hit the grid. <laughs> yeah, <So, laughs> they're not quite, quite so, so impressive. Yes, so, so um, for sure, you should never, ever compromise your desire to hit the ball further uh, your your consistency of delivering the ball in the uh, in, in the directionally wide where you want it. That, that's yeah, that's that, that, agree. And, and and you are absolutely right. Some people will have the mechanics that they make them capable of maintaining that while still hitting up. And some simply, you know, the way they 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 are they are they are built, how they uh, swing the club, consistency, and so on. Maybe they have a negative attack angle. Uh, that's not the end of the world, and that's, by the way, especially not the end of the world for the for the uh, for the tour players. Uh, I mean, we can take an example such as Sergio Garcia. I mean, he hits down on it three uh, three to four degrees, but he's got a club head speed of one hundred and twenty one miles per hour. So distance is not really his problem. So and I've uh, certainly <laughs> I've certainly seen. I'm not going to say it's a it's a common rule, but I've certainly had lots of experience of players who I've coached at the top of the amateur game who have easily hit up on it and managed it reasonably well. But for some reason, within a couple of years of turning pro, they're all their upward hit is reduced. They know that hitting it with a more level hit, sometimes a descending hit, actually increases their chance of control. And it's it's been quite a common theme through the last 10, 15 years of my coaching career, watching guys who have always hit up on it, suddenly that reduces a little bit. And they drive the ball better because of it. So last question then, Frederick, um, related to the distance. Where do you personally stand on the, on the distance debate? Does the ball go too far or do you think that the game would benefit from it being reined in? I mean, I, I, uh, I think that... I hear the, the argument that uh, some players are hitting it so far now uh, on the tour that they are basically wearing out the golf courses. Uh, they can, maybe they can move the tees further back and so on. I would say if you look at the distance of the tour pros that they have been hitting the ball, it has actually for many, many years been fairly flat. Uh, just recently, it's actually uh, climbed up a little, a little bit here. I think this is more... Uh, question about you also have the the uh, younger players that, that that are now playing the game uh, many many of them i have taken you you could say the tiger woods attitude to golf they're as, actually doing workouts they're strong guys uh, they can they have these very high club head speeds and they know how to use it uh, so i i think also just that the piece of, of younger players coming in the uh, older getting to play senior golf getting out that also has a, a, you know, statistically has this impact of appearing as if uh, we hit it further. But I mean, yeah. per- personally, I I would not like it. To, I don't actually like to to limit uh, equipment too much. Uh, I think it's I think it's interesting to have the uh, uh, equipment manufacturers coming out with with new things that that are better than in the past and and. Uh, that we can, uh, there are limits today already by RNA and USGA of, of what is the maximum ball speed that you can get uh, for certain club speed delivered. There are some uh, restrictions on that. So now it, it's more about what they are, 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 the equipment manufacturers are trying to maximize is 
the forgiveness, uh, especially for for average golfers. So, and I think uh, you know, especially for you know, speak for my for myself for that sake. But but average golfers, I mean, the the, the further we can hit it, hit it, the more enjoyable the game is. Uh, absolutely. So absolutely. Why, why why would you want to take that away from us? <laughs> uh, yeah, and at the end of the day, the last time I checked, this game. It's certainly not too easy yet. No, no, it's, it's not. It's so, not. <laughs> anything, anything us mere mortals can do yeah. to uh, to enjoy the game and to keep us coming back every weekend, I think, needs to be encouraged to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think we are on the same side of this thing. We're def- <laughs> definitely on the same page. Frederick, I, I must thank you so much for your time. I know that uh, you're incredibly busy. I also know you've got you've got more calls to take before you uh, before you're ending your working day there in in Denmark. I I always enjoy chatting golf with you. It's uh, it's a, interesting to get a scientist's perspective on this crazy sport that we all love so much. I uh, hope that at some point we can we can get you back on the show to to maybe discuss uh, to discuss something else. Sure. I mean. Thank you very much, Hugh. Again, always pleasure talking to you, and thank you for having me on the show here. It's been a pleasure. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Frederick. You're welcome.